0: Okay, so Radio, we you are family. I'm Marion. And uh, if you have missed anything on the workday drive for the week of uh, the 16th of November, then well, here's the best bits. Amy Adams spoke to us about transgender relationships and what transgender people endure when they end up in uh, South African prisons. Okay, so Radio, we you are family. I'm Marion. And I am talking to Amy Prinsler about some of uh, the difficulties transgender people go through, I think, every day of their lives. When did you realize that you were different?
1: When I was about 16.
0: What brought this awareness about?
1: I used to wear my mother's dresses and shoes and that stuff. And then I thought to myself, I'm not happy with my body where I am in at the moment. And in one, I started my... I decided I want to go through
0: with, at the time, gender. Was it difficult to make that decision?
1: No, it wasn't. For me, it wasn't difficult for me. I was open and my family knew about me.
0: And at the time, relationship-wise, uh, were you in a relationship?
1: I was in a relationship in '91, And my brother did me. He me through to, uh, to Cape Town at that time. And I was going to had the operation, but I couldn't have the operation.
0: Was it difficult for you to come out?
1: No, 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 no. I was open, I was open uh, since I worked in 1988. I
0: was open. And how did the people around you react when you came out?
1: They were just looking and they com- complimented me and I didn't have any bad remarks or anything from the people.
0: Relationship-wise, has it been a struggle for you?
1: I had a few relationships that have uh, was struggled with me. Uh, my partners didn't want me to go with, uh, with their things and I've now found a, a lovely man who's supporting me and he knows where and what I'm doing and he's sticking by me, he's standing by me.
0: If you could give advice to anybody who's on the same journey as you are, what advice would you give them? I will
1: just say, um, ladies, don't be afraid, be proud of what you are and that you've got your rights to be what you are and don't let people get you down.
0: What was it like uh, back in 1988, 1991? Was it difficult?
1: It was a bit difficult for some of the uh, transgenders that I knew uh, who was going through with operations and that stuff. And they tried to end their lives. uh, So eventually they didn't. The one transgender I knew was a friend of mine. I told her she, she mustn't do anything stupid you must go through, through
0: with it um those stuff well, is obviously there is a high suicide rate um if you start looking at transgender people
1: yes is.
0: and this relates to it depression is. as well yes did you ever suffer from depression no i didn't even have suicide on i think support wise how how did you find support and where, were there support for you at the time yes
1: my friends and family supported me a lot of my friends and colleagues and
0: yeah, you, you mentioned earlier you, you, you started sort of started um, transitioning back in 1991 and there were delays that happened. Why did that happen? Was it just difficult getting treatment?
1: No, I had a panel of 12 psychiatrists and they seemed to put a for the operation and they would have started me on the hormone treatment at that time. And I was mugged in that stuff in Cape Town, so I couldn't go for the operation. Operation.
0: Do you think it's it's easier now nowadays to have access to operations and treatments compared to to back in '91?
1: Yes, we have now greater hospital Vico hospitals, minute, and yes, there is a good result of the operations now.
0: Society and relationship-wise in general, I think that's my other question I have. Do you think it's become easier and more acceptable today than compared to, let's say, five or ten years ago?
1: Yes, with all the, most of the transgenders I knew is coming out and who's in Cape Town. They want to have a support, like a support group here in Cape Town. And I wanted to try and establish the, a group here for the transgenders in Cape
0: Town. So you're well, in Cape Town yourself? yes. Another one that that I I sort of picked up along the line on this journey is that for many people, it becomes very difficult to accept that their partner now wants to transition. Why do you think people find it so difficult?
1: Because some of the gay men do not want a female partner. They don't want a woman. They want a man.
0: But that's just so, sorry, also so stereotypical because there is a confusion between when you are transgender and when you are gay.
1: That's correct. I had the same... Situation: I was married for nine years, and my husband didn't want to support me with my through trans- with this. And he said, "If you if you wanted a woman, you would have married a woman." But I've found a lovely man who's a fiance is um, supporting me and everything, and his family is also support supporting me and friends.
0: Why do you think for for many um, transgender people it's so difficult to come out?
1: I'm not sure why they they still want to be in the closet. I'm not sure why they want to be uh, in there. They should come out, of course, to stand up against, uh, to make awareness of, of transgender uh, people. And there's a lot of people I know who's in the in closet. The one friend of mine who stayed in Cape Town, he went back to East London and he's in the closet and he doesn't want to come out. And I said to him, Lexi, you must come out because it, he's not... If you're not happy with what you are, you are seeing me and you're happy with what you want to do, go for it. Even the for means doctor, Dr. Yuan, Hugo, told him. If he wants to go for it, he'll help him for the treatment and that stuff.
0: How can we create more awareness?
1: All the um, transgenders must come out and meet and try and just be happy for, for themselves and support all all the transgenders together.
0: Now, as an ally, I'm a huge transgender ally. What can I do to help?
1: I would like you to just mention them. Please just contact me in like a in Cape Town in Cape Town. With transgenders, I'll, I can go to tran, uh, Triangle Project and then we can meet there and we can have like a sessions there and then. Talk about the sport and that
0: stuff. So to start a monthly support group in the Cape Town area.
1: Yes, I want to start uh, from from next year.
0: If people want to get hold of you, they can I think they can contact me through Gaysa Radio and I will put them in contact or they can find you on Facebook.
1: Yes, they can find me on Facebook on as Amy Adams.
0: As Amy Adams. Yes. My other pressing question that I have, there's a court case happening in a court case happening in Cape Town involving yes. Jade September. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? The
1: court case is coming up to 26th of November at the Quality Court in High Court in Cape Town. The men's prison management has taken her makeup away, taken her underwear away and cut her hair short. They don't want her to be as a transgender
0: We are dealing with a transgender female who is sitting in a male prison here. Yes. That is very concerning because how is that affecting her emotionally and physically?
1: Okay, all the inmates in the men's uh, pools more hasn't got a problem with her as a transgender. They accept her and they'll send by her. Uh, it's just the management of the prison. What doesn't want her to be what she is, they want to force her to be a man.
0: And that court case, you said, is in the Equality Court on the 26th of November. Yes. What can we do to to help support and create awareness?
1: I would like all the transgenders that day, if they can go onto Facebook and go to lawyers of human rights, and then they can go in there and they can see the court case procedure for the twenty sixth of November for day September, and then they must share it. And if um, the people, some of the people in Cape Town in holiday using holiday or whatever in the Chao Teng area. They if they come back they must support her. We're trying to get the um, court just to let them accept her as a woman in the male thing, prison and then let her grow her hair and some makeup on so she can put her makeup on and underwear.
0: Is she on, on, on hormone treatment? At the moment she's not on hormone
1: treatment. They are starting they're going to start with her next year on hormone treatment. And that's when that's a problem. Management doesn't want to do the hormone treatment.
0: Guys, ready with your family, I'm Rion, and that was Amy Prinsler talking to us about transgender awareness and what we can do to help with the fight against discrimination. Paula Quincy spoke to us about toxic work environments. Jason so ready where you are, family? I'm Rion, and I'm talking to our relationship and a life coach expert. Paula is back. Hello, Paula.
2: Hello. Good to be back again. Thank you.
0: Now, you know, I've been kind of pondering this for the entire week, and we spoke about this last week, and we set it out to ask people if they know what toxic corporate environments is. You know, I've been thinking and all I can think of is a place and the bolt next to a mine dump and there's these toxic gases coming <laughs> in. And, and please tell me, put me out of my misery. What is a toxic corporate environment?
2: Yeah, I think some people would potentially feel that that is what their work environment is like. Uh, you know, that it's just this, this environment where things are bubbling. There's an undercurrent where you go to work and you're not looking forward to go to work, where there's nothing positive where you don't get positive feedback, where you potentially get criticized. Um, It could be potentially company policies that are governing what you can and can't do, um, how you should or shouldn't do things. It could be leadership that is um, playing a large role. It could be someone in your team that's causing chaos in your team. But it's generally where there's an undercurrent, where there's a vibe, where it's not a nice place to be, where you don't want to be. And you're disengaged, you're not engaged, you're not being creative, innovative, and productive.
0: What are some of the issues that can lead to a toxic work environment?
2: Sure, there could be so many things. Um, there's that saying that new broom sweeps clean. And sometimes when a new leader comes into an organization, they have a completely different management style, leadership style, and idea of what the environment is that they want to create, which could go against the existing environment. And over time, with that new leader implementing their new procedures and policies and stuff like that, it could create friction and conflict and discord with the wider organization.
0: Now we're sitting with a toxic environment and you've got all that bubbles and gases and and, and. what is the first step? that you need to do to try and resolve it? Apart from I'll spray air (laughs) freshener.
2: I think what companies should look at doing is potentially doing what we call a corporate culture survey, where it is, it could be anonymous or it could be um, face-to-face focus group type discussions, where you're really getting feedback from the employees, from everyone in the organization as to, why are they feeling the way they are? What is it that's causing them to feel like this? So you can try and get to the real root cause of what's causing the toxic environment. And then once you've got all of those insights to then start looking at how can we address them? What are some of the interventions or what are the, some of the requirements that we need to bring into place to you know, start changing and shifting the environment?
0: Now, let's say, you know, you, you kind of turn a blind eye, turn a blind eye, and you just leave this toxic environment unchecked. What could happen?
2: It's potentially just going to get worse and worse and worse. You know, um, it's, it's like putting a Band-Aid over a, a wound that needs stitches, hoping that it's going to heal itself. Okay. Over time, you might heal itself, or potentially it's going to go septic.
0: Now what procedures should be put in place to avoid a corporate environment becoming toxic?
2: This is where HR and training and development and employee wellness or well-being and leadership need to work together in terms of, first of all, understanding what is the corporate culture we want to have in this organization. And then what does that look like and how do we go about creating it through all the different touch points? through the reward and recognition systems, through the communication and how it's filtered, how it's filtered down from top level down to all the other levels, that there is openness and transparency and honesty, obviously within reason, because sometimes there's confidential information that you cannot share with everybody. I think also a sense of being real, you know, um, open door policy versus sitting in an ivory tower where people are, or leadership is perceived to be untouchable or unapproachable.
0: Now we sort of identify that and we've moved through it and kind of everything sorted out. And how would a company then move forward after resolving a toxic work environment?
2: So change is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And some people will buy into the process quicker than others. And this is where you potentially need change agents or change ambassadors on different levels and in different divisions and departments to help influence and guide and motivate and inspire people to get on board, to create the shifts and the changes, and to really start feeling it, experiencing that change in culture, uh, which is behavior at the end of the day. And as we've spoken about in previous Mm. um, sessions, you know, behavior change takes time. time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, it's a journey.
0: How does it say and go? It, it takes like seventeen times, or seventeen times more, difficult to break a single bad behaviour.
2: Well, they say it takes twenty-one days to start or implement a routine, but thereafter you still have to sustain it. But what I do know is that um, it takes five positive interactions to dis- dissolve the impact of one negative interaction.
0: Wow, that's a lot. Paula, thank you so much. And we are going to continue these discussions. Thank you so much for your time once again.
2: Thank you. It's been great being here. And I'll
0: see you again next week. Okay, so radio, where you are family. I'm Rian, and that was our relationship and a life coach expert, Paula Quincy. Jason Fiddler spoke to us about what to do when you need to fire somebody's ass from work. Jason, Radio where you are, family. I'm Rion, and uh, with me today our solutions Smith Jason Fiddler. Jason, welcome
3: back. Rion, yeah, good to be back.
0: We are talking about letting employees go. Uh,
3: not such a good subject to go through, but yeah, you can hear it in my voice. It's not one of, not one of my favorite. Subjects.
0: I can just see it. Yeah. I think the first thing is what legalities should we
3: consider when we decide to fire a staff member. You follow the basic conditions of Employment Act and any other labor legislation pertaining to it. It's readily available from the Department of Labor's website. So you as an employer, it's your it's your responsibility to know the basic conditions of Employment Act because you are contractually bound to it. In doing that, there is a there are applicable processes of um, notice periods and what have you that will guide you in terms of termination. You cannot just do a Donald Trump and say you're fired. It doesn't work like that there has to be a process followed. There's just such a picture that comes up with, you're fired. I mean, and it's a fallacy, uh, as you yeah, say. Yeah, the problem is now I see him as the president, so it's, I can't take him seriously anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, it's, it's, it's a very sensitive issue, and you as an employer must remember that you are initiating a process that could end up in court. Everything you say and do can and will be used against you guaranteed. What points do you consider before you decide to fire somebody? Well, you have to find out whether or not this person has truly infracted the law or the rules of the company. So very simply put, termination of employment will come through either constructive dismissal um, through a process of um, basically operational dismissal, that that the person's just not meeting the requirements of their job. It's a much more arduous process. It could be that they are, for example, drunk on duty or guilty of theft. You don't have to prove their guilt of theft uh, in order to dismiss them. You just have to have sufficient evidence that they, for example, committed that offence or uh, something like sexual harassment or sexual assault or physical assault. So any, any form of crime on premises is enough for you to fire that employee there and then. Now you've decided to fire them. What process do you follow? You must conduct a hearing. um, And if you feel that you're not partial, it's better to bring in a third party, somebody to chair that disciplinary procedure. There are procedures as outlined in terms of the Basic Conditions Employment Act, and you must follow them to the letter. So there must be in writing um, uh, something that's given to the employee to explain to them that They've had perhaps a verbal warning prior to written warnings. They're now at the end of the, uh, the, the favours and the, and the grace period that they've been given. Um, also, just bear in mind that you might, for example, give somebody a, a written warning for um, using bad language at work, for example. And now they go and commit another offence, which might be using the company's car without permission. They're two unrelatable offenses. Okay. So it's, it's not a case of three strikes, you're out. It has to be three so of the related same strikes. strikes. So again, bringing in a consultant is, or, it, or a, an independent person to chair the process is much more advisable because if you get dragged into court, the costs to you will escalate tremendously. So a little bit of pain now saves you a great deal of pain down the line, and it will not be a painless process.
0: Can you fire someone without a warning?
3: No. Well, uh, no. Let, let me rephrase this. You can't just arbitrarily dismiss an employee. There must be there must be sufficient cause. So you can immediately tell somebody to leave the premises if they are guilty of an offence like, I said, drunk on duty or committing but a. You can't offense. fire them immediately. You, if you don't like a person, you cannot just dismiss them. And we know so many employers that have done that, especially to LGBTI people. We seem to see think that we're. Uh, Um, more vulnerable, and and in fact, I think in many cases we have been in employment situations, we must know to stand up for our rights. Of course, I'm talking from the employee's point of view, but from the employer's point of view, you must be as responsible in the process. So it cannot be treated arbitrarily, and you should never do that when you are upset or angry. Always, always, always walk away. Let a few moments at least pass. Take a breath and think, because when that moment has happened, whether they've being grossly insubordinate to you, you've caught them drinking on duty, whatever the story may be, you now need to walk back and go, right, I now need to initiate a process. And you need to take it every step of the way. And if you're not sure, check. You know, there's there's online advice. There is, um, you know, some of us have accounts, and those accounts are free legal advice. There's no harm in asking if you're not sure. You're entitled to be human and wrong, but in the process, you want to make sure that you're as right as possible.
0: Is it important to have a witness present when you
3: fire somebody? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they can have a witness present as well, if necessary. It's ideal because you, again, you're thinking about what will happen should we get to a court. It will not just be a he said, she said. There will be a witness corroborating what I'm saying and doing. So you yourself as the employer must make sure that you are not in the wrong in any way, shape or form. You don't touch your employee. You don't shout or swear at your employee. You have to be Really, really inscrutable in the process. let's say you've now
0: terminated the person. You told them they've got a month and they need to leave. Okay, so what you've given you, them notice. Yeah, right. you've given them notice. What would the the ideal time be to start advertising that position again? Immediately. 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 So you don't have to wait for them to leave. And then no, you,
3: you're entitled because you you cannot prejudice the employee the the the, the uh, company by not having that person in place. So for example, let's say they're a sales rep and they, they're they underperforming their targets. They just basically, you know, they just wasted their job right there out. Um, you need a, a sales rep in that place. It's an essential job that needs to be fulfilled. Unless you've made it redundant, you say to yourself, well, you have actually retrenched a person. You can say, well, look, we're a, a manufacturing company that does tool and die, and now we're not manufacturing anymore. Well, all the manufacturing jobs are not needed anymore. So you can retrench those people. That's another way of letting an employee go but you certainly cannot do that with the intention of getting rid of somebody so that you can hire somebody else in their place, then you're committing an offence. Ouch.
0: Yeah. Jason, thank you so much. That was very insightful.
3: Yeah, it is. But I just want to warn the employers, guys, you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with lives here, and you're infecting your business. Take it very seriously. Follow the letter of the law. And if you're not sure, take the pain and talk to a professional. Gay
0: Radio, you are family. I'm Rion, and that was our Solutionsmith Jason Fiddler talking to us about letting employees go. And Jackie told us about transgender struggles happening in the rural communities and also aiming at putting up a support network. Gay Radio, you are family. I'm Rion, and I'm talking to Jackie Mujalbi. Okay, first tell me, you deal with transgender women in the rural areas.
4: That is correct, Jim.
0: Do you think that transgender women in these areas um, find it more difficult than people in suburban areas?
4: Yes, definitely, because I'm from the rural area. I'm born in Worcester at the farm. And recently I moved to Cape Town. I think Cape Town is more popular with, with what is happening around trans people. If we think about the rural area communities where I'm coming from, it's more where people believe in their church beliefs. And I think transgender women find it very difficult to express themselves and to live their life.
0: Why do you think this is? Is it just a lack of education as well?
4: I think there is a lot of lack of education. I mean, also, I think about we dealing with, with families because they don't believe in such things. And also, our old kind of generation, you know, like our parents and our grandmothers and what they believe. Now, many of these women face various forms of abuse.
0: We're looking at mental abuse, physical abuse. What do you think can be done to
4: stop it? What I'm basically doing now is to educate people in our community, especially in our, in our churches and then our NGOs like shelters, etc. Because basically what I went to in 2014, it's just a little bit about myself, where I lost everything. I have to go back to Worcester, go back to my family, and they does not accept me at all. I are at doors and doors closed. I went to shelters and they doesn't have policies for some people. Because when they heard the word trans, they're actually getting confused in between a gay person and a, and a trans person. For me, it's a very, very tough time where I have to now change from female to react like, you know, like a male because of the child not have policies. And that is where I come in to help transgender women to find a safe space when they face abuse. In communities, with their partners and also with their family, because there are things that I experienced as a transgender woman and trying to help those who is in need to have more comfortable kind of platform. In general, how accessible is support in the in the rural
0: areas? It sounds like there's no support.
4: Probably there's no support. Absolutely. Not development organisations. It's very poor. Like I said, is that I try to educate these people so that they can understand what is the difference between a gay person and a a trans person. And also kind of not to accept, but also to understand what is a trans person going through in our everyday life.
0: You mentioned you went through this cycle, and this is obviously how you became involved in
4: educating people. That is correct. Like I said, I went to the circle, to to the circle with my family and with my community. Now people can actually look up at me and people can come to me for help where I can assist. At the moment, I don't have any shelter, but what I do is that I do referrals. Kind of to find a safe space that is more comfortable for the trans person and where it's more transparent.
0: Let's say I'm a family member and I'm not dealing so well with somebody in my family who's transgender. How would you deal with a situation like that?
4: What I usually do is that I go for a talk or for a session when we have a in one and I try to find a solution for the problem. If I cannot, then I do a referral to the nearby Bay Hospital to see a psychologist or social worker and see how can the family kind of deal with the problem and come to a solution. Most of the cases that I was dealing with, there was good result. Some of it is very difficult.
0: How would you go about educating the community about transgender people?
4: Educate them Is that I go to, like I say, to, um, churches, to schools, and then I have a platform to explain what it is to, to be trans and how it starts from childhood. Now, you mentioned you've got an NPO. Is it a registered NPO? That is correct. Yes, I registered myself in 2015 up till 2018 till today. And I'm still active helping transgender women.
0: Is it just you on your own or do you have people helping you?
4: At the moment, it's only me because I'm starting it. Like I said, I went through a very tough time in my life where doors just closed totally for me and where they, and they, I faced a lot of discrimination in court cases, full discrimination, and there was no assistance and no help because no one understands what I'm going through. Um, then I started, this, but at the moment, we are two. So it's me and another transgender woman who's actually helping me helping these women go into a tough time.
0: What is the organisation called?
4: They're called Sister Outreach. Sister Outreach. That is correct, yeah. What services do you offer at Sister Outreach? What I do offer like I say, is counselling. I also do assist when the women have to go and apply for their new gender marker for the IDs at the home affairs. And then I do assist with placements for accommodation, because as we know, in South Africa or in the Western Cape, we don't, we on only apply Shelter was actually taking people in from our community. And that is where I came into actually replacing. They don't have any space in our place to enter the Women at Department because South Department in Cape Town, they are the only shelter who actually accepts on or who does have a policy for trans people. The haven starts not having a policy. And that is where I come in to find a safe space. To actually, place them in the home.
0: You mentioned counseling. Is that like physical one on one, face to face counseling, or is it just like
4: a support thing? I would say more like a support. So I give my support from my experience, what I was facing, what I went through, and then I can deal with a one on one session with a person. And then I will refer to, like, a, so to a nearby day hospital to see a social worker or professional psychiatrist or psychologist.
0: So that's the one thing the organisation lacks at the moment is actual qualified counsellors. correct, yes. How do people get involved with the organisation? Let's say somebody wants to get involved with you. Is it only for your area? Can it be a national thing? How can how, how can people get involved?
4: That's it's already in my area, but I would like it to be all over. Like Cape Town is more fortunate because I think they have Triangle Project and Gender Dynamics. And if we think about Worcester, because Worcester is outside Cape Town, and Worcester in Paul, so that is my main focus, to focus on transgender women, specific on transgender women within this ruling, in the ruling areas, facing their discrimination every day. So that is actually my main focus, because that is a lack of education, and that is where the need is currently at the moment. The other need, by the sounds of it, is a need for shelters. Basically, there is a need for shelters for trans people. Like I say, I went to a very tough time in 2014 where I had nowhere to go. Family doesn't accept me, doors closed. Where do I go? And at the end of the day, shelters doesn't want even to accept me because they does not have a policy. And then it's where I come up with this idea like I don't want the next sister or the next generation to go exactly through the same thing. I went to, so how can I make a difference? And what I'm actually building now is that I want, because I have quite a big backyard, or something, so what I want, my goal is for 2019, is to put wendy houses on. And if transgender the face difficult time their their homes were being abused through their family and community, then they can have a safe space.
0: In the meantime, you said you're referring to other shelters. Tell me how this process works. The process have
4: been very good at the moment. I'm dealing with psych department because they accommodate trans people. And then I also use so we have one shelter, what we also use and they also accommodate, but they are not what I actually do is to educate them. And there's only a few people actually helping. And the others just say no, we don't we don't accept.
0: Now, as a transgender person, you are educating and you are helping. How would you advise other people who are allies or who want to help and educate, how, uh, what advice would you give them?
4: The advice that I would give is that people, to just get knowledge and to understand what we go going through, through our every life, to our every life, if everyday difficulties. To go out and reach out and understand what transgender really means, what the word means, trans. Um, people are really confused about the word transgender and get confused.
0: Now it is Transgender Awareness Month. How can yes. we help to sort of promote that awareness?
4: Yes, to promote, I think, educate people to give them knowledge and understand what your word trans means.
0: Great, Jackie. And if people want to get hold of you, how do they go about it?
4: Are you, do, are I you do. on Facebook? Yes, and I do have a contact number. My contact number is also my WhatsApp number. The number is 61
0: And then, of course, people can find you on Facebook.
4: And they can even invite me on WhatsApp as well. That is great.
0: Okay, so ready with your family. I'm Rian, and that was Jackie telling us all about um, being transgender in the rural areas and her plans to make a difference.